you are tuned into Environmental as Anything. Peter Dutton has vowed to cut funding from the Environmental Defender's Office during a speech to the Chamber of Minerals and Energy in Perth. The EDO is an independent organisation which advocates for climate change and environmental-related legal action. However, Mr Dutton says continued funding of the EDO could affect jobs and productivity. If advocacy wins out against economic pragmatism and against the science, then the activists will turn their attention to other live exports, to other sectors, and it's not productive for our future. The Environment Defender's Office is largely funded by donations, with state grants making up only 10% of funding. Noah Seckham, National Radio News, Canberra. Now on Environmental as Anything, I'm very pleased to have with me Zali Stegel, MP. Zali was elected to the House of Representatives, the federal parliament, as the representative for Warringah in New South Wales in 2019, a good three years before the wave of Teal independents who followed her in 2022. She was elected on a strong program of action for climate and toppled then Prime Minister Tony Abbott. I was very interested to hear Zali's perspective on how the current leader of the Liberal Party's pandering to the fossil fuel industry would be received in blue ribbon Liberal seats. Zali Stegel, thank you for joining Environmental as Anything Today. Thank you for having me. You're most welcome. You've done a lot of important work on uh, the climate over the years you've now been in Parliament. Uh, This week, uh, Peter Dutton is threatening to slash support for independent legal services to community groups using legal means to advocate for climate justice. How do you think this is likely to play out for him electorally? I think this is the leader of the opposition playing to his party donors of fossil fuel industry uh, really looking at stamping out any objections or any um, you know avenue or assistance to get to the courts to actually uh, make sure due process and uh, you know communities that have the opportunity to be heard and object to projects that will impact them so no I strongly support the funding of EDO I you know I appreciate sometimes certain case cases are not run as they should but but overall, it's a very essential part of a robust um, process of assessing the merit of applications and projects and assessing their impact on our environment and nature. Dutton made his comments to a fairly select audience at the Chamber of Minerals and Energy in Perth. Do you think he might have uh, an agenda aside from appealing to voters there? <laughs> well, I, I think um, it's not just about voters. I think it's more it shows clearly where his priorities are. He is very focused on preserving the rights and, um, you know, continuing uh, with fossil fuels and just at the complete disregard of the safety of, of our communities and our, our well-being due to climate change impacts from the fossil fuel industry. So um, uh, there are very few ways in which uh, project damaging projects can be halted and or questioned. Um, and uh, clearly that avenue through, uh, I guess, climate litigation um, is an avenue that is effective in at least delaying sometimes, but also putting the pressure on projects to really justify their approval, putting pressure on governments around that approval system. And um, I must say, I'm not surprised that someone like 
Peter Dutton is, you know, opposing that and hoping, uh, you know, would threaten that kind of funding. Yeah. I thought it was interesting uh, to note that when on reading the transcript of his speech that uh, he had to apologise because his program had been disrupted as there was very significant rain events in his electorate as swift water rescues and uh, people have been inundated with flooding and then goes on to uh, to attack the community's capacity to respond to climate emergencies. Uh, yes. Uh, look, it's, it's there's a really there's a big disconnect between the many who uh, fight against action on climate change, who are you know the delaying tactics and really holding on to the past. But yet, as soon as um, natural disasters occur, whether it be flooding or bushfires, um, they are the first to complain about you know the rollout of support for their communities or the warnings that they receive from the Bureau of Meteorology. Or you know, there, there's this complete disconnect between the warnings that have been loud and clear by scientists for years in relation to the increased risk of these events and the severity of these events and the ensuing impact on communities. And then uh, obviously the cost to communities and their ability to recover. Uh, and then just a complete unwillingness to acknowledge and accept the cause or their an unwillingness to mitigate these risks and these events by um, transitioning off fossil fuels. He's uh, he's used the term lawfare uh, to describe uh, the, the activities of the community using legal means. Slightly ironically, I, I find again that uh, uh, they, they have deep uh, complaints about anybody doing anything illegal to oppose climate change, but they also have a, a deep antipathy for anyone doing anything legal. Uh, yes, look, I think it's, it is holding on to every means possible to limit that questioning and that, uh, you know, that process. Um, so I guess there is, there's just been such a dominance by the fossil fuel industry and such a monopoly over government and we know they are big, you know, donors to both major parties. There's huge amount of influence. There's a revolving door uh, from, uh, you know, from policy advisors and politicians back to the industry industry. Um, and so I, I think it's really important, you know, um, to, to make sure as a d democratic country, we have robust laws to ensure proper checks and balances in relation to projects. And that does bring us to a, a, a very topical, I, I think, issue at the moment where the parliament, we're reviewing the EPBC Act, which is the environmental, well, I'm sure your listeners are very yes. aware, but Environment Protection Biodiversity Conservation Act, which yes. is very much um, part of the approval process for large fossil fuel projects. And they're simply the these laws must be updated to take into account the long-term impact. And uh, look, whilst we know the coalition were really bad on this, um, at the moment there's a real dragging of the feet by the Albanese government to put in place uh, and update these laws. So I think, uh, and, the, and we've got to remember when community groups um, go take, take, legal action and go to the courts, the courts can only apply the laws as they stand. And so that's why it's so important to have additional avenues to protect our future from climate change by having fit for purpose laws. Um, so that's very much a focus of mine in coming months. Yes, yeah, 
Well, good. Um, and and you are, a, as I say, a lawyer and and an MP. Do you think our legal system unfairly favours small community groups over multinational mining companies? Oh, that's very tongue in cheek. Um, yes, no. We know that mining companies, fossil fuels, have very deep pockets. Have been able to, um, you know, I, I think really uh, override community wishes and interests for far too long. Uh, we don't yet have a, I think, robust enough laws to protect the environment and give voice to concern. So, um, I think uh, uh, funding of the EDO is essential. I would just like to wrap it up on that because there's, there's these big picture questions about, um, uh, you know, equity of access to justice. You know, to, it's it's not a justice system if if uh, it's not equitable, is is it? I mean, we, how, how does that, you know, work into the, the broad questions of, you know, being a functional democracy in your view? Yeah, absolutely. And it's, in, it's really essential that there is that equitable access to uh, justice and to the courts and an ability to um, really scrutinise decisions of government in granting approvals and also uh, the merit of those approvals as against the projects and their impacts um, and whether or not the, the laws have been, you know, duly applied by the government of the day. So um, that... Uh, Equitable access to um, to the to justice is incredibly important. Mm, mm. Well, thank you, uh, Sally. That's uh, very illuminating. We appreciate your perspective on, on all of that. And um, I was going to ask if we've got a couple of minutes. Uh, you know, are there other big agenda items on your uh, you know coming up this year for you? What's what's on your calendar coming up? Uh, well, look, this is going to be a key year that will set the tone for the 2025 federal election. Um, and we need to be mindful that uh, in 2025, Australia will be due to lodge its next nationally determined contribution under the Paris Agreement. So we absolutely need to accelerate our ambition. So I'm very much pushing for the government to commit to a floor of 75% emissions reduction by 2035. Um, of course, it's important to remember um, the Labor government, uh, whilst better than the coalition, is not yet ambitious enough when it comes to emissions reduction and will not be ambitious uh, in the absence of being pushed by the community, I think, and the crossbench, because we certainly know they won't be pushed by the coalition to be ambitious on that. So for me, 2024, very much strongly pushing, and I hope communities will be with me, uh, pushing that putting the pressure on government for an ambitious uh, and an important 2025 target for the Paris Agreement and pushing the government to move on methane. So methane being one of the most um, potent warming gases, obviously uh, 80 times more potent than CO2 in the first 20 years. Um, and so incredibly important in this next decade if we can uh, limit uh, the amount of methane, better measure and limit the amount of methane being uh, released into the atmosphere to not accelerate over tipping points uh, the way we currently are. Um, and so the government, there has been a very important review of legislation and I will be pushing the government to implement all the recommendations around that review. So lots on, and then of course, EPVC Act, <laughs> um, I, it goes without saying, um, I am prepared 
preparing uh, a private member's bill around that to deal with um, that we have to have much better acknowledgement in approvals in related to likely stranded assets because of climate risk. Um, and so um, to bring that consideration into any approval process and when weigh, when the minister must you know weigh up the um, uh, impact of a proposal on the environment and long term, taking climate into account. Mm-hmm. Wow. Sounds like you're going to be busy. Uh, that's good to hear. We'll have to keep in touch, uh, keep us posted as, uh, as progress uh, emerges. Absolutely. That was Federal Independent MP Zali Stegel sharing her analysis of the political impact of fossil fuel industry spokespeople attacking the community's efforts to find legal resolutions to the issues of the climate emergency here on Environmental As Anything. Right now on Environmental As Anything, I'm going to be speaking to Chris McGrath, barrister and environmental law academic, about the fossil fuel industry's efforts to curtail the community's capacity to challenge the legality of those undermining our climate. Dr Chris McGrath is a barrister in Queensland and practising in environmental law and an adjunct associate professor in the School of the Environment at the University of Queensland. Chris, thanks for joining Environmental as Anything today. Yeah, great. Pleasure to be here, Sean. Uh, We've heard the leader of the opposition, Peter Dutton, uh, attacking the uh, rights of community groups to uh, try to enforce the law against the fossil fuel industry. Uh, What do you think of uh, Dutton's use of the term lawfare in this context? Well, you've got to keep it in perspective. The reason he's attacking particularly the Environmental Defenders Office, which is a a community legal centre that specialises in environmental law, helps a lot of farmers, First Nations, people, communities around Australia. They're really good uh, solicitors and they've been really effective in the last, particularly in the last decade. They've uh, won a lot of cases against fossil fuel sector, just environmental harm generally, and they get attacked because they have been so effective. Uh, So lawfare was a term that really sort of grew up about, you know, five years ago, and it's just used as a derogatory term for people going to court to protect the environment uh, when, you know, the government doesn't like it, doesn't like being challenged, uh, the fossil fuel sector doesn't like being challenged, particularly when they lose. Mm. Uh, so it's just a derogatory term that they're, you know, throwing, trying to throw mud and make it sound like it's bad, but it's really people enforcing the law often and holding decision makers to account for bad decisions. Mm. Yeah, it's um, it seems uh, like a pattern of behaviour that uh, they uh, object to people taking illegal action to protest against uh, the climate emergency, but they also object to anyone taking legal action. Yeah, it is. There's a, a real irony. The 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 term was used a lot when, particularly against the Adani mine, there was a lot of litigation, but the federal environment minister agreed that he'd made an error in making his decision and, and agreed to have a decision set aside. Uh, and the um, attorney general at the time, George Brandis, came out and 
called it lawfare and uh, vigilante greenies was the sort of terms that were bandied around. And the irony was that the federal environment minister had agreed that the de- his decision was wrong and the case was successful. And yet they were still criticising it uh, for... Well, you know, like it's it's irony to call someone a vigilante for going to court. You know, the idea of a vigilante is someone who takes the law into their own hands and goes and enforces it themselves. So it's really a contradiction to say, well, if you go to court, uh, you're a vigilante. I mean, you're enforcing the law. Mm, mm. Do you think it's uh, part of a, a, a pattern of uh, of of lawless behaviour from the uh, uh, from the fossil fuel industry? Oh, there's a lot of layers to that question. Uh, They don't like being held to account. Uh, Certainly federal and state governments generally around Australia, they basically act as a protector of the fossil fuel sector. Uh, We see that with, um, you know, just coal and gas. We we should have gotten out of coal and gas two decades ago. The climate emergency we've got says we shouldn't be approving any coal and gas should be getting out of it as quickly as possible and yet we continue to get approvals and the government defending the whole sector when really they are climate criminals um, we should be you know shutting them down Uh, so the government uh, you know uses uh, its power as the regulator and the government of the day to protect the sector and keep it going uh, and we have got a lot, you know, we've got a lot of problems in Australia stemming from the capture of our government by this sector, uh, and a lot of harm is being done now. Um, yeah, it's hard to see the end of, you know, can't see the light at the end of this tunnel at the moment. Mm, mm. Um, you know, uh, Dutton has said that the Environmental uh, Defenders Office have been given funding by the federal government. Uh, government to wage lawfare and he's called them a proxy for uh, the government's true intent in relation to uh, the fossil fuel industry. Do you think that uh, the actions of the Environmental Defenders Office are necessary for the government? You know, do they need the EDO in order to be able to enforce these laws? I mean, if they had the intent uh, of 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 following through with the uh, the actions that the EDO are initiating, would the government need the EDO to do so? No, not really. Uh, I mean, Labor is still pretty weak on environment. And, you know, we still, you know, Tanya Plebisek put a lot of time for her. She's an amazing uh, leader. But, uh, you know, Labor is captured by the fossil fuel sector uh, and they continue to approve these projects. She, you know, Tanya Plebisek could be rejecting coal mines right now under the law as it stands, saying, no, we've got a climate emergency, we shouldn't be approving coal and gas. But the politics are against that. Um, the EDO is really going in and fighting often for, um, you know, for reality to try and, uh, you know, hold bad decisions uh, to account and say this is wrong. So, um, but it's very difficult as a as a community legal centre uh, to take on the government and and you know massive companies. You <laughs> you. They're often a David and Goliath battle and EDO's, you know, representing the little guys uh, and the big guys don't like it. They don't like the fact that they've actually been very effective for the last decade. 
Yeah, so you wouldn't say that the uh, legal system unfairly favours small community groups over multinational <laughs> mining companies? No way. That is, you know, uh, I'm trying not to swear, but, that is, <laughs> you know, that is just such a joke. Uh, there is so much in, you know, I'm a lawyer, and there is so much that favours. If you've got a lot of money, uh, you can go to court and litigate and litigate and litigate and just wear the other side down. And money and power are just such powerful tools when you go to court. Uh, you know, small community groups that are typically represented by the EDA, they don't have a lot of power. It's bloody hard for them to win. And uh, you know, <laughs> it's just such... Um, I'm not going to swear, but <laughs> just such crazy, you know, upside down sort of Donald Trump view of the world that, you know, to think that the EDO and small community legal centres have too much power in the legal system. They are fighting with, you know, you're, you're basically fighting against someone with, you know, nuclear weapons and you've got like sticks and stones mm. and, you know, <laughs> just a crazy... Um, you know, uh, what's that term, gaslighting? Yeah. Uh, you know, when someone is trying to, ch you know, change your view of reality or challenge, you know, the reality is it's very difficult for community groups to win against the government and big companies like Santos. And, you know, the first night, you know, this case that's led to the criticism of the EDO is an amazing case. It's a human rights case. They're representing... Uh, you know, First Nations people that don't have a lot of power There's no, and they don't have a lot of money. So, you know, they've gone in and they've been criticised for s some things that were done in the case, but it's like these are the good guys. These are the, you know, they're people trying to do the right thing and they've, yet they've been criticised, but God, the irony of, you know, being the, the criticisms that are made against them. Mm. Well, it actually leads me to a broader question, which I'd like you to, to think about, which is what, what role do you think uh, that equitable access, access to justice actually plays in a functional democracy? Look, I think it's important. I think it's really important. But the huge problem that we've got with environmental law in Australia right now uh, is that our governments, our regulators, uh, are captured by... Um, you know, fossil fuel sector and um, just big business generally and aren't enforcing the law. And while community groups and, you know, the EDO have a really important role, they can't replace a uh, the powers that, you know, like the police have or, you know, environmental regulators generally at a federal and state level don't enforce the law against mining companies and farmers. Uh, and so the EDO going in and acting for some community groups, you don't have the investigative powers, you don't have the money, you don't have the just the ability to go in and do a lot of cases that are proper. You know, so we can't replace government, uh, proper government, with um, community actions. Mm. Um, so the community actions that are happening, it's a bit like you know building sandcastles to hold back the tide. Mm. Uh, they're we're just overwhelmed by the approvals of, you know, big coal mines and um, gas projects. Uh, in in the face of, you know, the the hottest year on record, and you know, like the the cat catastrophes that we're facing now in in terms of climate, and we're still approving these massive projects. It's it's absolutely insane, mm. and yet government's doing that, and it's you know, so you can't replace 
a functioning government and a functioning regulator with community legal actions. Having said that, community legal actions, you know, when government isn't working, they're still important. And, you know, I do a lot of that sort of litigation, so it's, you know, I, I think it's important. Mm. But um, I also think we need to keep in perspective that it's not, you know, replacing the role of government. We can't do that. Mm. We, you know, we're trying to do the best we can with the tools we've got and the limited resources we've got. Chris, I think that's a great summary of uh, the legal situation. Have we missed anything? Do you think there's anything important that uh, we haven't covered? Uh, no, I, I just think the, the crucial point to make is we have to keep in perspective the, you know, the criticisms of the EDO. Uh, they do a great job with very limited resources and, you know, it, it is really gaslighting uh, to attack them and saying they're, you know, this lawfare. It's just not reality. Mm. It's, it's just... You know, Donald Trump view of the world, just, you know, you've got to take your, you know, take your brain out and put it in the bin if you're going to accept this sort of stuff. But, you know, Peter Dutton, they spin it and the gas sector spins it. It's just, you know, these terrible organisations. So perspective, I think, is really important. Indeed. Well, thanks for your perspective today, Chris, and uh, good luck with all of your endeavours. Yeah, thanks, mate. Yeah. Much appreciated. That was Dr Chris McGrath from the University of Queensland School of the Environment and a barrister in Queensland speaking to us about the legal implications of the fossil fuel industry spokespeople attacking the rights of community groups to legal representation in the fight for climate justice here on Environmental as Anything. Ah.